In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, we praise him and invoke blessings on his noble messenger. Announcement, addressed to the Muslim ulama. Surah Al-Anam, chapter 6, verse 22 of the Holy Quran, meaning that Allah, Lord of honor and glory, says, Who is more unjust than he who forges a lie against Allah or gives the lie to his signs and manifestations? It is known to everyone that some 26 years have passed since my claim that I have been appointed by God Almighty and have the honor of converse with Him. During this period, all my opponents made every effort to destroy my jamaat. They took me before the authorities too, but I remained safe from all their attacks. It is surprising that despite facing hundreds of failures on their part to eradicate me, my enemies have still not understood that I am supported by a hidden hand that saves me from them. They call me a liar, the antichrist, and an imposter, but they do not answer the question as to which imposter has ever existed in the world whom God saved from the dangerous attacks of his enemies for as long as 26 years, to the extent that by his special grace he kept him safe for a quarter of this century, granted him success upon success, caused him to grow from one to having hundreds of thousands of followers, and caused all his enemies to be ineffectual, and we have no knowledge of what progress the future holds. Which imposter has there ever been in the world against whom at the time of Mubahila every believer fell prey to death or some other kind of chastisement? Which liar has there been for whose sake and in accordance with whose prophecy there were solar and lunar eclipses in Ramadan and the earth was hit by global plague? Is any sign found of some other Mahdi who had prophesied 15 years before the actual occurrence of the lunar and solar eclipses, or had warned as many as three times, first 26 years before, then 12 years before, and then three years before the occurrence, that the plague would spread in this country? The purpose of writing these lines is that I have sufficiently incorporated in my book Hakikatul Wahi all kinds of evidence in support of my claim. Although my health did not allow me to undertake such strenuous effort during these days owing to suffering numerous illnesses and repeated bouts of various ailments and physical weakness, I undertook all this work solely for the good of mankind. I, therefore, appeal in the name of God to all the distinguished scholars, elders, and those who can read this book from among my people, that if this book reaches them, they should study it closely from beginning to end. Again, I appeal to them in the name of the Almighty, the one without associate, in whose hand rests the life of everyone, that they should even at the cost of their time and engagements closely study this book from end to end. Yet again, for the third time, I appeal to them in the name of the Honorable God, who punishes those who fail to pay heed to the oaths in his name, that if they receive this book and can read it, be they the clerics or religious elders, they must study it at least once from beginning to end. To some of these people I shall, God willing, personally send a copy of this book. As for others, I promise that if they write to me stating under oath that they are unable to pay the price of the book, I will send them a copy provided the book is available and I can afford to send it, under the condition that they should write to me stating under oath that they will surely read the book from beginning to end and that they are unable to buy it. I further pray that anyone who happens to receive this book but it heedless of the oath in the name of God, and looking down upon such an oath, does not read it from start to finish, or only partially reads it, 
yet persists in using foul language, may God Almighty destroy and disgrace such persons in this world and the hereafter. Amen. But the person who reads this book from start to finish and understands it well, his case rests with God. I now conclude this announcement, and peace be upon those who follow the guidance. Announced by Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, the Promised Messiah. Qadian, March 15, 1907. In the name of Allah, the Gracious and Merciful, we praise Him and invoke blessings. For the attention of respected Ariyaz, no reasonable person can deny that since the beginning of time, the Sharia, religious law emanating from God, has been divided into two parts. The first and foremost is to believe that God Almighty, with all His perfect attributes, is one without any associate, and to believe that He has no partner, both in his being and in his attributes, and that one should believe that he is the source of all blessings and is the source of and is the source or fountainhead of every phenomenon and the creator of every being that exists, and has the power over everything which is consistent with his greatness, majesty, and glory, and is not inconsistent with his perfect attributes. He precedes every being that exists and is the ultimate refuge of the entire universe. He comprehends all perfect attributes. He is holy and pure from the defect that his attributes may fall into decay at any time in the past or the future. He is the creator since eternity, the provider since eternity, and the all-powerful since eternity. Nobody knows what he did in the past or what he will do in the future. He is one in his being, in his attributes, and in his works. There is none who can compare with him in any of his attributes. He is free of every defect and blemish. He is close in spite of being far, and is far in spite of being close. He is lofty and exalted. Nonetheless, it cannot be said that there is anyone below him. He is hidden beyond hidden, yet we cannot say he is not manifest. He is the most manifest, yet we cannot say that he is not hidden. He shines forth from the sun and his light is seen in the moon, yet we cannot say that he is the sun or the moon. On the contrary, all those things are his creation, and one who calls them God is a disbeliever. He is transcendent beyond the transcendent, yet he is the most evident. Each soul derives its powers and capabilities from him, and every particle has been granted its properties by him alone. If those properties, powers, and capabilities are taken away, then neither souls nor particles are left with any reality of their own. Therefore, the ultimate point of human cognizance of God is that all these things emanate from the hand of God. The bond of love between God and soul exists because all these things have been created by Him. It is He who has leavened their nature with the salt of His love. Without it, Love for God would have been an impossibility because of the absence of a mutual relationship between them. A child loves its mother because she gives birth to it, and the mother too loves it because it is part of her being. Since every soul has emanated from the divine, it is therefore in constant search for its true beloved. Hence, some mistakenly worship idols or the sun or the moon or water or man. Hence the cause of this mistake, too, is the same craving for the true beloved, the very craving that is ingrained within human nature. Just as a child, in its eagerness for its mother, sometimes mistakes another woman for her and clings to her, 
Similarly, all creature worshippers have mistakenly begun bowing in front of other objects. And God Sharia has been revealed to rectify these mistakes. And God Sharia is the only thing that can root out these mistakes with full force. Only that Sharia can rectify such errors that is capable of revealing the countenance of the True Beloved through the manifestation of resplendent signs, because if a Sharia is unable to demonstrate fresh signs, it too represents an idol, not God. The being that stands in need of our reasoning or logic for his manifestation cannot be God or Parmeshwar. Which knowledgeable person would believe in such a God who, like an idol, is dead and devoid of any signs of might and power? Hence, the true and perfect Sharia is indeed the one that shows the true living God with all his might and signs, and it is the only one through which man can attain perfection in the second part of the Sharia. And the second part of the Sharia is that man should refrain from all those sins that are rooted in injustice towards mankind, for example, adultery, theft, murder, false testimony, every type of deceit, treating one who does good with evil, and falling short of fulfilling one's obligation to deal kindly with mankind. Hence, to act upon the second part of the Sharia, one has to understand its first part. As I have just said, that the first part, i.e. cognition of God, is not at all possible unless and until one recognizes God with his fresh signs and demonstrations of his power. For without it, even worship of the divine is a kind of idol worship. If God is just like an idol who cannot answer a question or a query, nor can he demonstrate his power, then what difference would there be between him and an idol? The living God must possess the signs of a living God. If he cannot answer our questions nor demonstrate his power, how is it possible to know that he exists? How can his existence be established by one's self-made arguments? Since every human being is able to prove his own existence, why should God not be able to prove his? Is God even weaker than a man? Is his power not to be seen in the future? Was it merely a thing of the past? If the power to speak no longer remains within him during this age, what argument can prove that he ever had this power to begin with? And if he cannot speak in this age, how can it be proven that he can even hear and accept our prayers? If he had sometimes demonstrated his powers in the past, why can he not do so now to disconcert the atheists? Therefore, my dear friends, the God of power we all seek and are in need of is to be found in only Islam. Islam presents all the powers of God today as they had been manifested in the past. Remember well that no one can be persuaded to believe in God without the demonstration of his powers and resplendent signs. Otherwise, it is nothing but a myth to declare that one believes in Parmeshwar. It is his signs alone that help one to recognize God. If there are no signs, then there is no God either. I have therefore compiled this book, Hakikatul Wahi, by way of specimen out of sheer sympathy for mankind. I enjoin you, in the very name of that Parmeshwar in whom you profess to believe, to read this book from beginning to end at least once, and to ponder over the signs incorporated in it. Then, if you find your own religion to be lacking similar signs, then abandon your faith and embrace Islam out of the fear of God. Of what use and benefit is a religion that cannot lead to the living God through the help of living signs? Once again I call upon you in the name of that very Parmeshwar, 
to study this book from cover to cover at least once, and do testify truly if by following your present faith you can recognize the living God. For a third time I call upon you in the name of the same Parmeshwar to study this book entitled Hakikatul Wahi for being from beginning to end at least once, for the world is nearing its end, and the wrath of God is evident on all sides. May God be your guide. You never know when death will strike. There is no God but the living God, and peace be upon those who follow the guidance. Announced by Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, the Promised Messiah of Qadian. In the name of Allah, the Gracious, the Merciful, we praise Him and invoke blessings on His Noble Messenger. An invitation to truth. Tell them, if there had been a son to God, I would have been the first to worship him. Surah Zukhruf, chapter 43, verse 82 of the Holy Quran. I address this announcement to the Christian clergy with a great humility, respect, and meekness. I submit that if Hazrat Isa Masih, Jesus the Messiah, on whom be peace, was actually the Son of God or God himself, I would have been the first to worship him and I would have propagated his divinity throughout the country and would never have given up this propagation, even if I had been persecuted or killed or slaughtered or cut to pieces in his cause. But my dear people, may God have mercy on you and open your eyes. As at Isa, Jesus, on whom be peace, is not God, but only a prophet and nothing more than that. I call God to witness that I bear such love for him as you cannot. You can never recognize him with the enlightenment with which I recognize him. There is no doubt that he was a beloved and exalted prophet of God and was one of those who are particularly blessed by him and purified by his hand. However, he was neither God nor the Son of God. I do not say this on my own. Indeed, God, who is the creator of heaven and earth, appeared to me and has made me the promised Messiah for this latter age. He has revealed to me that Yasu, Isa ibn Maryam al-Islam, Jesus, Isa, son of Mary, was not God or the son of God. God has informed me by addressing me that the prophet who brought the Quran and called people to Islam is a true prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa and that he is the one under whose feet lies salvation, and no one can ever achieve any light without following him. When my God disclosed to me that the high status and greatness of this Prophet ﷺ, I trembled and my body was shaken. People have exaggerated their praise of Hazrat Isa, the Messiah, so much as to deify him, but they have not recognized the true status of the Holy Prophet ﷺ in the manner worthy of his recognition, and they do not realize his greatness as he deserves. He is the one prophet who sowed the seed of Tawheed, the oneness of God, in such a way that it has not withered to waste even to this very day. He is the one prophet, وسلم, who appeared during the time when the whole world had been corrupted, and he departed at a time when he had spread the oneness of God all over the world like an ocean. And he is the one prophet for whom God has been exhibiting his jealousy throughout all ages and manifesting thousands of miracles in his support and affirmation. The Holy Prophet ﷺ was immensely slandered in this age as well. Therefore, God's jealousy was stirred more than it had been in any past age, and he sent me as the promised Messiah so that I may bear witness to his prophethood before the entire world. 
If I put forward this claim without any evidence to support it, I am false. But if God bears witness to my truth with such signs that have no parallel from east to west, north to south, then justice and fear of God demand that I should be accepted with all my teaching. God has exhibited such signs in my support that if they had been displayed to the earlier peoples who were chastised by water or fire or wind, they would have been spared destruction. But how shall I describe the people of this age? They are like an unfortunate person who possesses eyes but cannot see, who possesses ears but cannot hear, and who possesses understanding but cannot comprehend. I cry for them, but they laugh at me. I offer them water of life, but they heap fire upon me. God has appeared to me not only through his words, but has also manifested himself to me through his works and has shown and will continue to show such works in my support that are not shown in support of anyone unless he is the recipient of God's special grace. People abandon me, but God has accepted me. Who can compete with me in showing these signs? I have appeared so that God may appear through me. He was like a hidden treasure, but now by sending me he has designed to silence all atheists and all faithless people who say that there is no God. My dear people, to you who seek God, I convey the good news that the true God is he who has revealed the Quran. It is he who has manifested himself to me and who is ever with me. O Christian priests, I enjoin you in the name of God who sent the Messiah and remind you under oath of the ostensible love you have for Masih ibn Maryam to study my book Hakikatul Wahi at least once from beginning to end word for word. If any scholar asks for my book Hakikatul Wahi with genuine interest with this condition and will swear to it that he would study it closely from beginning to end, I will send a free copy to him. In case this fails to satisfy him, I hope and expect that God will demonstrate some other sign, for he has promised that he shall make his arguments manifest upon this age. With this I end my words, and pray that may God be with the seeker after truth. Amin. Humbly, Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, the Promised Messiah, Qadian, District Gurdaspur, March 20th, 1907.